In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. A few years ago, I was leaving a yoga studio that a friend had me go in and try. And I know, that sounds very cheesy and cliche, leaving a yoga studio in San Francisco. But such is life, so deal with it. (laughs) It's part of the story. Anyway, I was leaving the, the studio, and a friend of mine who worked there said, you know, you really should catch up with Danny. He's another instructor in the studio, and I think he'd really appreciate what you're doing. So we got coffee a few days later, and what struck me about Danny's story is that his jump goes against every type of cliche or stereotype that says a jump is only for one type of person or if you have this type of track record or this much money in your bank account. He grew up in a tough home environment. He was left to fend for himself along with his siblings at an early age. Ended up getting a gig as a bartender. And as a bartender, I think things got comfortable. It was a tough life to think about leaving. And it wasn't until a very much chance encounter with a Craigslist roommate who introduced him to this thing called yoga, which he thought was yogurt. And he said, sure, I love yogurt. I'll give it a try. And as Danny will tell you, that yoga, not yogurt, came in to save the day. But it wasn't until much later when Danny had to jump. And I think hearing his story and the intense vulnerabilities that he'll share in this conversation is just a reminder that we all can jump. No matter what your background is, where your job is, what your LinkedIn title says you are, we can jump. And I feel very fortunate that Danny is now a close friend and an incredible leader of our When to Jump community. And part of the book and sharing his conversation here on the podcast was something that means a lot to me. So I think you'll enjoy, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Let's give a little bit of context for everybody. Uh, You were not born a yoga instructor, as it turns out. Uh, you had a very different life. Can you give us a little bit of background on who Danny Pomplin was yeah. as a kid growing up, what that life looked like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I grew up, uh, so I was born and raised in East LA, if anyone knows the Cheech and Chong song. Yep. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> totally where I was born. Um, and, uh, you know, I was raised in, in a pretty difficult household. Um, my parents, although they were both loving, uh, you know, they, they, they had some cards dealt in life that they did their best with. You know, my, um, my dad was pretty absent for most of, uh, most of my growing up and my mom was, uh, a, a drug addict and an alcoholic. And so, you know, when she was home, she wasn't really there. Uh, but most of the time she wasn't home because she was too busy, um, you know, partying. And so there was a lot of, I'm pretty much, you know, from where, like, I remember since I was a kid, I, I just started to fend for myself and really started to, you know, take care of myself. It was me, my brother, and my sister, and we we just kind of had to grow up really quickly. And, you know, fast forward a bunch of that stuff. Um, you know, we when I lived with my mom, we were on welfare, um, you know, and then she would, she would go to prison in and out of, you know, most of my life. Um, so it was like, I was tossed around a lot. And uh, when I was 16, I came out to my dad and he didn't take it so well. And so I ended up leaving the house and just started living and just started surviving, you know, and, and when you're 16 and you're, you're thrown out into the real world, you're, you don't really know what's right and what's wrong. And you kind of just, again, like my parents, you do the best, 
you do the best, uh, you know, best with what you have and you make, and you make the best of it. And, uh, I did, you know, I, I started, uh, I started, uh, working at a surf and skate shop for a while and I was working at different retail stores for a bit. And then when I turned, uh, I think it was like 20, I started, uh, working in, um, in the bar industry and it was, uh, you know, it was really fun. And I had a really good time doing it, but it also opened up a really, really, it played in, it fed into a dark side of my past. You know, obviously there's, you know, drugs and alcohol running my family and, you know, growing up with, a, you know, a broken childhood and that could be a whole podcast on itself. The story is so intense and, and the things that I went through were, you know, not normal, so to speak. Um, but I, I ended up, you know, taking to the drugs and the alcohol myself just to kind of mask everything and to to make everything feel better and to make everything feel right, you know. And what I think it's when I talk about, uh, you know, my story of like, you know, the drugs and the alcohol and even the broken home, I think when people are kind of look at me and they're like, oh, my gosh, like that's very scary and and sad and whatnot. But I think people tend to forget that like drugs and alcohol actually saved my life. They actually like, they gave me purpose to live for a while until I found yoga. And then when I found yoga, everything, you know, went to shit. I, I don't know if I can cuss on the show, but I just did. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. And why did they, why did they give you a purpose to live drugs and alcohol? Well, like, what was the reason for that? You know, there was so much pain in my life. I didn't know how to deal with it. You know, I, I mean, I was 16 and, and, you know, had, tons of trauma. There was sexual trauma. There was abuse. There was, you know, I mean, I had a one-way ticket to end up in jail or end up being on the streets, a drug user. That was like, I, I had that, it was really well written out that I was supposed to end up like that. And the drugs and the alcohol just masked everything until I was ready to start to feel. And until I was, I, you know, it gave, it gave me permission to just kind of get by until I was at the point where the jig was up. And, you know, and when the jig was up, yoga kind of stepped in and started not kind of it actually it did step in and, and started supporting me and, and holding me through this process you know yeah but it was funny because i think for the average listener particularly in the bay area it's like oh great you like finally gave yoga a try i'm sure you've read about it blah blah that wasn't exactly the case right like describe how that entered your life <laughs> i moved down to san diego um, cause I got a, a, this job offer down there and I was living with this roommate at the time and she was just very stereotypical California. Uh, you know, she was a body worker and she was a social worker and she, uh, was a vegetarian and kind of like, you know, played that role if you want to call it that. And she taught yoga and she had invited me to come to a couple of her yoga classes and I really wasn't about it. And then my surfing buddies at the time were all going to yoga and I didn't want to be left out of the group. So after I found out that everyone else was doing yoga, I was like, well, you know, like maybe I should do a couple classes. And I did. I did a couple, but I didn't really like understand it. I just kind of went there to fit in. And then I stopped doing it completely. I mean, it was like a short stint. That was like my first taste to it. And then, you know, fast forward to about 25, I had lost a partner um, in life. And it was the first time I'd really lost anyone in my life. And, and that was someone that was so close to me. And, and you know, it, you know, my partner was like my best friend. And, and we spent a lot of time, you know, dealing with a lot of our life stuff together. We were both pretty broken. And so we were able to kind of unpack our brokenness uh, to some extent. Um, sure. And uh, yeah, man, I just hit the deep end. You know, uh, Nick passed away and I just uh, like I just went full force. I you know, whatever was around me and whatever anyone offered me, I pretty much said yes. 
Um, and, you know, I, I, in a matter of like weeks, I just started to, you know, I mean, I was pretty much killing myself. You know, I was, I was shooting up drugs. I was drinking all the time. I wasn't going to work at a bar because I was too drunk to go to work at a bar, which says a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which is not a good sign. Yeah. Not good. And so my roommate, you know, basically was like, you know, I love you and I care about you so much. And, you know, you're, you're one of my best friends and I, I can't, I can't let you do this to yourself. I can't see you. I can't see you like this anymore. And she was like, and I can't, I also can't live with you like this. This is not, it's not fair for me. And she gave me an ultimatum. She was like, you need to find something else or you, you, you can't live here. And I didn't have another option. I didn't really have, you know, I couldn't find a cheaper place. I didn't want, I couldn't afford to move. You know, so I was like, well, okay, I guess I got to do something. And, you know, I was like, well, what do I do? I have nothing else. You know, like Nick is gone. I have, I don't know what else to do. And she's like, well, you tried yoga. So why don't you, there's a new yoga studio that opened up down the street. Why don't you go to yoga? So I kind of rolled my eyes and walked my ass down to the yoga studio. (laughs) And I was such a brat. Oh my God. I was so not nice when I walked in that studio. I had every single piece of ego just like right at the front door. Yeah. And... The teacher who actually to this day is still one of my really, really, really good friends. We like we've we've come full circle. Like she was my first teacher down there and uh, a really special person just saw through it. You know, I, I think and now that I teach yoga, I can actually I know that we, you kind of get this instinct, you know, by reading bodies so much like, you know, who's hurting and you know, who's scared and you know, who's happy and you know, who needs extra love, and you know, who needs to be backed off. You just kind of get this intuition. And she, you know, for some reason just saw that I was, you know, in pain and needed you know, she, she, she knew that I needed to be a jerk that day and she was, didn't think anything of it. And she just, you know, without, uh, you know, holding my hand physically, she, she held me through the, the process. And at the end of it, she was like, Hey, you know, I'm Meg and I would love to see you again and, you know, come back to class. And she had won me over. Like she had won me over because she was wow. so nice to me. Like she was so kind, even though I was such a dick. So then I just kept coming to her classes and, uh, and then, you know, which, was cool because it kind of slowed down my drinking a little bit because I had to start going to yoga because I'd get kicked out of my place. And, um, and I ended up quitting one of the bar jobs because it wasn't the healthiest environment either. And, you know, I was trying to just starting to clean up my act a little bit. And as I quit the bar job, I couldn't afford the yoga anymore. And I told Meg, I was like, Hey, you know what? It's been such a great journey last few months. Like I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't afford it. And she was like, oh, well, well, you know, why can't you afford it? I'm like, well, I quit one of my jobs, so I'm not making as much. And she's like, cool, well, you can scrub toilets. And I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, what? you can scrub toilets. And I'm like, um, yeah, about that toilet scrubbing thing. And she's like, well, how bad do you want to come to yoga? Wow. Yeah, and it kind of was just like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, well, I'm not above that for sure. So I started scrubbing toilets. And I'll tell you what, Mike, I scrubbed those toilets like better than anyone had ever scrubbed a toilet in their life. <laughs> I was so proud to scrub those toilets. You were the best toilet scrubber in all of San Diego at that point. If I ever quit yoga, I am just going to go full-time scrubbing toilets. <laughs> Danny Pomplin, the toilet scrubber. scrubber <laughs> uh, who, who can also do yoga. Yeah, exactly. Uh, While I scrub the toilet. <laughs> right. And what did yoga serve at this point? Because you obviously made a decision that it was worth it to scrub the toilets. Why? Um, you know, I was in this environment where people were talking about feelings and about the, like I had actually, believe it or not, I had never heard the word compassion until I was 25 ever in life or empathy. I, I, I had no idea. I, I, I'm dead serious. I had no idea that those two words even existed. 
Like they, right. they weren't anywhere in my, in my vocabulary. And, you know, these teachers are, you know, specifically Meg, she would theme her classes about healing and about just things that were really normal, that were really relatable. And as I would go in, you know, they would get me tired enough in class that I would sit down and pretty much just shut up and listen to them. And the words were so beautiful. You know, the words were about taking care of yourself and about caring about your community and about loving yourself. And, you know, I mean, the true teachings of yoga, the two, you know, the teachings of like just, you know, living a good full life. And it was the first time I had ever heard that and felt that like that it was actually real and it got me hooked. I knew that there was something deeper. You know, I, I knew that there was something deeper that I wanted to explore and I just didn't know how to do it. And yoga happened to be that place. You know, I could have gone to, instead of yoga, I could have gone to an underwater basket weaving class and, <laughs> and they could have said the same thing. And maybe I would have stuck with underwater basket weaving, but it happened to be yoga for me. And it was, you know, it was great because it was a way for me to get back into my physical body. And for addicts, you know, for people that are going through, you know, drugs and alcohol, like it's really hard. You feel disconnected from your body because you, you, I mean, you literally are disconnecting completely. And sure. so it, it was good. It was, it felt good to just be in my body and also to be in this space where, you know, it was for the first time in my life, I had felt like no matter what, it didn't matter who I was, what my background was, what my trauma was, how I grew up. I just was accepted. Like nothing else mattered, but like me coming in, if I wanted to come in and wanted to practice, I was accepted. That was it. Yeah, it's interesting because I know your story obviously pretty well by now, and and still that's like something I've learned just from hearing you say that it yoga was this like vessel for you to find these things inside yourself you hadn't tapped into right or had been ignoring, and so that that's interesting. It's it was less the physical practice perhaps and more just that uh, that calling or that that vehicle that it served as, right? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I think I always had that inside of me like I knew I wanted to I think we all do right we all want to do we all don't want to do good we all want to live really healthy and and really authentic lives but sometimes we just don't have the tools you know some of us aren't born into that type of lifestyle where that's easily accessible right and and, uh yoga yoga made that home for me yoga really created the space where I could flourish and here you were like you just noted it wasn't exactly like you had all the time in the world or all the money in the world. Like you were, you were pushing it to make it meet, right? And you started scrubbing toilets and, and then where'd you go from there? So I started scrubbing toilets and then I did such a great job that they made me in charge of the toilet scrubbers. <laughs> <laughs> manager. Yeah, exact. Toilet scrubbing manager. That guy's got an upper management written all over him. Yep. Yep. He's going places. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then after that I was working the, uh, they gave me like the front desk shift, like twice a week. I would just check people in and like, you know, restock waters and towels and, you know, make things like presentable at the front. And, um, now at this point I had explored some other teachers because Meg gave me permission. She was like, I think you'd like this other person. And if she said it, I was like, okay with it. But if she didn't say it, like, yeah, exactly. She was my in, you know, um, she, she had my trust. And, uh, I remember this one day she was like, Hey, Danny, you know, we have this teacher training program and I think you should do it. And I was like, Hey Meg, that's great. And I think I should not do that. Moving on, you know? <laughs> and like it was like, so at that point it was like enough's enough. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm doing it. I'm helping out like that. The idea of teaching seemed out of the question. Right. I was like, who like, no, I'm good on that. You know, like, uh, meanwhile I would leave yoga and go 
smoke cigarettes on the walk home. <laughs> the, the yoga doing cigarette smoking instructor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I didn't, you know, like I didn't, I still wasn't at the point where I like was, was, uh, renouncing any of that stuff. I was still, it, everything had slowed down. I didn't really stop, you know, and I, I'd kick some things off the list, but anyway, so she was, uh, she, she kind of just pushed me again. You know, she was like, Hey, you know, you'd be really good at this. And then I started noticing other teachers were like, you know, hey, you should think you've got a really good practice. You should think about, you know, maybe becoming a teacher. It might be fun for you to learn about your practice. And that's how they got me hooked. They were like, learn about your practice and get deeper in your practice. And then at mm, one point, I was, I was like kind of debating it. And they were like, hey, listen, we actually can't do these front desk shifts anymore. They're not allowed. So if you want to get free yoga, you're going to have to do this teacher training program. And I was like, well, I can't afford it. And they're like, well, we're going to sponsor you to do it. So we're going to give you a full scholarship to do this program. So I was like, well, wow. you know, I can't, I can't get rid of my home situation. I have to keep going to yoga to like appease the roommate and, you know, like to kind of keep my shit together. I guess I'll do this program. And I did. I, I did the teacher training program and I <laughs> wasn't the best teacher training student, but uh, I did it, man. And I completed it. And before teacher training was done, they were like, hey, you know, we really think that you're going to be really great at teaching and we want you to pick up this class. And I was like, nope, absolutely not. And they're like, cool. So Saturday's at 12. Get, <laughs> get, get there an hour early so we can train you how to like do the register or, or how to like set up the studio and whatnot. And uh, I was like, uh, okay. Like I, I kind of didn't even think about it. I just was like, well, I still have to do this because I have no other option. You know, like I still was in this like, I have to appease my roommate. And, yeah. and you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I remember I showed up in the first class and I was straight up trembling. I, I was shaking while I was like checking people in. And I walked in and I taught the class and I, I couldn't tell you, Mike, I couldn't tell you who was in there. I couldn't tell you what I was wearing. I don't even remember what the studio looked like at the time because it just was like a big blackout. I don't remember any of it. And I remember coming out being like, what the fuck was that? Like, what was that? And how do I get more of that? It was almost like stronger than any of the drugs I had ever taken. You know, it was like being able to facilitate and be in that space kind of started to awaken. It started to stoke the fire. It was like I had, you know, I was like a caveman and I was hitting the two stones. And after I'd hit that first class, the first little spark of fire happened. And then I did it again and the fire grew bigger. And then I did it again and the fire just started getting bigger. And then I did it again and again and again and again and again. And it just kind of started to spiral out of control. And, you know, lo and behold, life handed me a few different, uh, you know, problems again. And I did what I did best and went back to drugs and alcohol. And while I was doing it, while I went back to drugs and alcohol this time, I noticed that something was different. And I noticed that it wasn't as easy to run and hide because yoga had made everything so open for me. Wow. Huh. So, yeah. So I decided, you know, kind of last, last minute deal. I remember I walked into my therapist and to the, uh, the, 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 uh, manager of the studio and was like, I think I need to leave San Diego and move to San Francisco. And they were like, why? And I was like, because I need to go up there and study yoga because that's where it's happening because I need to quit my job one day and go teach yoga. And I think this is what I need to do. And they're like, figure that out. And I kind of had that seed in my head and, uh, you know, I, I moved to San, Diego, or San Francisco and I decided to, <laughs> to throw the plan out of the window 
and stopped teaching yoga for a bit and went back to bartending and everything just went right back to like before everything was awesome oh my gosh if you're following the story it's like oh dude finds yoga life changes he teaches <laughs> yoga now like that's no. not exactly it no way and and describe the kind of fears that pulled you back like you described to me in the story that we have in the book like about what what makes you feel important in life and the perception you feel it gives you to others and how important those things are and the bar was that safe haven for you right yeah you know like so you're 21 and you're the gm of the number one gay bar in san diego you know you're the king of the castle Everyone wants something from you, everybody, whether they want to get in line. You know, when you when you have a bar that has 300 people in it and you have a line of like 60 people outside and you're 21 and you're a kid that doesn't know any better and you're running the show, you feel like you are on top of the world. And so that's what I thought, you know, for many years, for, for 10 years, I thought this was what it was like. This, this is what it was going to be like. I had designed my entire life and my entire perception of my being, of who, who Danny is as a person, was this bar lifestyle. I was the cool kid, right? Everyone wanted to hang out with me or everyone wanted something from me or everyone wanted, you know, there was, there was a piece of me that people wanted that made me feel like, oh, this is how I feel accepted or this is how I feel like I'm a part of something. When in all actuality, that was all smoke and mirrors. You know, that wasn't really, I, you know, to... to for then it made sense. For now it doesn't. But, you know, I had completely immersed myself in that like superstar, like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm so cool. Look at me. And in all actuality, it was like big insecurities. Like I didn't want any of that. I just was making myself feel better. But yet you're right. You know, like dude finds yoga and life changes. No way. Yeah. So, so you, yeah, so you, exactly. Because there's this pull and especially from given what you've told me about your background, like that was an important feeling to feel wanted and important and having power, even if it was smoke and mirrors, there's still that perception as a 21 year old that people care that much about you. Well, yeah. When you have none of that growing up, when like no one's paying attention to you and you're kind of fending for yourself and you know, no one's, you know, reassuring you, we need those things as kids, you know, like we, that, that healthy environment, so to speak. You know, that was the first thing I gravitated to. People were paying attention to me. And so you go up to San Francisco and you go back to that world. What was the push and pull? So I come back to San Francisco and I did some homework and was like, I ended up getting this job at this restaurant that was terrible. And, you know, I got another job at this bar that was really fun. And, you know, I, I kind of really quickly established a reputation for myself. I was, re I was a really great bartender. You know, I did it for a really long time. I was really fast. I made every establishment a lot of money. Um, you know, I, I, I pretty much, what happened was I, I got up here and I didn't know anybody and I was really insecure about not knowing anybody because I had so many people making me feel good, you know, superficially to an extent uh, back home in San Diego and I gravitated towards that again. You know, I went and got a job where it started to feel good, where it started to feel comfortable, where I could drink again, where... You know, I was starting to become, you know, somebody, so to speak, in the community. And, you know, I kind of just stuck, stuck to that. And I didn't see anything else. And, uh, and then, I don't know, I, I, I had this, you know, there, it was like that same voice that, I, like, when I start, first started teaching, I just, I knew the jig was up. And I knew it because 
not only did I know it, but the people around me knew it. I, you know, I remember people being like, you're not, why, why are you pretending to be happy right now? And I'd be like, what are you talking about? My life is great. I work 20 hours a week. I get paid for 40. I take all the time off I want. Like I get paid cash. This is like, great. This is the best thing ever. Like, you know, I'm always gonna have money in my pocket. Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you're, you're not happy. And we can all like, you know, people just, people could read it. And that made me kind of look in the mirror and be like, oh, wow, I'm not happy. I really am not happy. This isn't what I want to do. This isn't the life that I want to live. This isn't what makes me feel best. You know, it wasn't terrible, but it also wasn't the best. I'd almost had settled for complacency. I almost like sat down and, and had a conversation and be like, okay, you're going to be the bartender for the rest of your life. And you're going to be the cool party guy. And people are going to call you when they want to go out all the time and da, 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 da. And that's not bad. I'm not discrediting that for, for some people. I think that's a, a great life if that's what they truly want. For me, it wasn't. Yeah. And then meanwhile, there's something you're doing and trying to push out of your life that keeps coming back to say, hey, this is what you should be doing. Oh, my God. Worse than any rash ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that could be a nice new tagline for yoga. Yeah. <laughs> Get bit with the yoga rash. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it didn't it didn't leave. The rash continued. Yeah, the rash continued. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I decided to pick up yoga again. I. I was kind of at that place, not as messy as I was in San Diego, still messy, but not as messy. And I was at that place where I was like, you know, you're right. I'm, I'm unhappy and I'm starting to fall back into old patterns. What made me feel good? And it was yoga. And so I went back to teaching and I got a job here in the city. I got a job at a place that people said I wasn't going to be able to get a job at. And I got the job anyway. And, you know, I kind of started to work my tail off really hard and people really saw that. And, um, you know, I was starting to pick up these classes and people at the bar were noticing that things were different. I had at this point decided that I was going to take a break from drinking and just kind of figure that out. And, uh, you know, that break is still to this day. Like I, I just decided Amazing. to go on, go on a really, really, really long break. And um, there was one day where a coworker of mine pulled me to the back and, you know, he, he looked at me dead in the eye and he said, Danny, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, why are you here? Like in a stern voice, like really, really, you know, when you're getting a real good talking to. And I was like, well, because I'm here to, you know, like run this place and, and do the thing. He's like, you don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. It makes us not want you here. We want to see you happy. We're on team Danny. Go do your Shanti and make yourself happy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. All right. And so I went to my class the very next, you know, the very next week. And I remember I walked into class and, you know, like I was getting set up for, 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 for the actual yoga class that day. And I remember kind of interacting, kind of like that first class I taught. I remember interacting with people. I remember talking. I don't remember conversations. And I remember I sat down and that you could almost hear the chitter chatter of people talking was in the background, but all I could hear was my breath. It was, that was the only sound that was actually making sense. Everything else was just like, uh, like white noise. And then I remember I like word vomit. I like stood up and I was like, or I got my head up while I was sitting down and I was like, yogis, I've got to talk. And they're like, oh yeah, like class is going to start. And I was like, I'm thinking about quitting my job and doing this full time. And I'm really scared. And I don't know what to do. And I want to talk about how fear drives us. And everyone just started clapping. Everyone got up off their mats and they're like, yes, like, you know, like <laughs> losing it. And meanwhile, I'm like, 
I start tearing up. I actually like there's, you know, waterworks coming down. <laughs> I teach this class and, you know, I talked about, I, I pretty much, you know, talked about fear and the two different realizations of fear is one is, you know, fuck everything and run. And the other one is false expectations appearing real and how I was choosing to, you know, see false expectations appearing real and, and go against that. And after class, so many people went up to me and they're like, I just transitioned to this job and like, I do what I love now. And, you know, good for you, Danny. And, and we need you to do this work. And, you know, it was just so reassuring, wow. so reassuring. That was on a Monday and on a Friday, on a Friday, I went into work and I remember being there and I remember that I was just working. I wasn't doing, I was just going through the motions and I was in the back and the same thing, my boss had just kind of crossed paths with me and I was like, Hey, so we need to talk. <laughs> he was like, what's up? And I was like, so I think I'm done. He's like, oh, okay. Like, do you want to like, you're, you're going to go home early or, you know, like, are you like, you're what's what, like, you're not feeling good or what's up? And I was like, no, no, no. I think like I'm done here. And he's like, what do you mean you're done? I was like, like, I think I'm done working here. And he's like, what? Like, <laughs> like total, you know, jaw drop. Like what's, what's happening? Cause you know, I had done really well there. I was, you know, like I, I kind of came, they, they brought me in to, to, to clean up shop a little bit and to, to help get some structure in. And I did, I did it. I did, it was really fun. It was a really great team. And at all the places I've ever worked, actually the bars, it was probably one of the best. I, I probably had one of the best owners to, to ever work for, but I wasn't fulfilled. And, you know, we sat down and talked about it a little bit deeper and I was like, this isn't what's driving me. And he was like, it's the yoga thing that's driving you, huh? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you know, I want to tell you that I'm sad. And he's like, and I want to tell you that I don't want you to go. And he's like, but I don't want to stop you from doing the thing that you love to do. And wow. I was just like, okay, you know, and there was, there was a lot more conversation that went into that. Like, what can we do to help you? Or what, you know, how can we get you here? There was, there was all that, you know, when you have a good employee and you don't want to lose them, you know, you, you do what you can, you work with them, you know, you, you offer them raises and bonuses and time off, whatever it is, you know, and, and I just knew I didn't want to do that. And how wild was that to, a on the Monday, go into class and say this thing that you probably never thought you'd ever say aloud to yourself, let alone to a class full of yoga students. But then on a Friday to have a similar reaction in your manager who like obviously doesn't want to lose you, but still sees like what you should be doing. Like, is, is it a little case of the universe conspiring to, to make this happen? Oh, for you? 100%, man. I, I absolutely believe it. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that I, I believe that you will what you want. And you know, you, if you work hard at anything, you'll get it for sure. You know, if you work really hard, I think things can happen in life. And I think that mentally and emotionally, I was doing that work. And, you know, thus it brought it kind of into full fruition. You know, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. It was, I, I still, I, I'm actually as I'm as I'm telling you the story, I'm like in my head right now, like what the fuck am I doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, and that's such. I think that's where you're so good at being honest. Like it doesn't that fear doesn't go away. It still sits in our bellies somewhere, and we have to decide how we how we take it every morning, right? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, man. Well, I mean, one hundred percent. It's still. It's a joke, Mike. Like, you know, I'm going to tell you, say this out loud, but my job is a yoga teacher. I am a yoga teacher. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Better than scrubbing toilets with uh, toothbrushes. That's, I mean, hey, you know, I was really good at that too. <laughs> and and you're saying something about, you know, with fear that we tend to think of, like you said, the false expectations appearing real. Yeah. Is that, why do we do that? And what's the, what's the reality behind fear? You know, I think because we're humans, you know, we, 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 
to, to some extent, fear is built into us, but also, you know, I think what people forget about fear is people tend to think about fear as a bad thing. You know, people tend to think of fear as like, you know, it's, it's again, that stuff that we haven't, the what ifs, the things that haven't happened, but also when we learn to embrace fear, like really, really, really embrace it. Like say, yeah, come on. I know that you're scary thoughts and I know that you haven't happened, but bring it on. Like that's really when we start to step into our greatness. So I guess to really answer your question, like what, why does it happen? I think it happens because there's some point of, there's some part of us that actually wants to be better. And it's maybe like a tool that we use, or maybe this is the way I, th- you know, the way I think of it is it's a tool that, that we use to kind of bring us back to, 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 to that place where we're going to like step into it, you know, and really just be a badass and, you know, kind of, you know, meet fear in the face and say, what's up, you know, and then just kind of move it over and, and start trekking along. That's exactly right. And how long have you been meeting fear right in the face? How long has it been since you've been full-time yoga instructor? Uh, May of this year. So May was a year, about a year and a half now. Amazing. Yeah. And where, where can people learn more about what you're doing? I know you're teaching all over the world now. You've got a very strong base here in SF. I love going to your class. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I don't say that as a biased friend, although I am a biased friend. But what, what can people do to learn more? Um, so everything I have is on my website, which is dannypomploon.com. It's uh, D-A-N-N-I and then P-O-M-P-L-U-N.com. Um, and I've got everything on there. I do, you know, I teach public classes here in the city. Um, I teach privates here in the city. I've got a ton of workshops going on. I travel all over the U.S., some global stuff as well. Um, I do a few retreats throughout the year. Um, I teach teacher trainings. I've kind of, I have a podcast. I'm writing a book. I've got t-shirts and stickers. <laughs> His book is going to be called Exhale the Bullshit, as Exhale I mentioned the earlier. Bullshit, yeah. When you told me that when we first met, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, yeah. that is exactly right. More than anything, I'm, I'm very grateful and proud to have you as a friend and have you in my book and have you on the podcast. So, uh, Danny Pomplin, thank you for joining and uh, I really appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. It was a pleasure to be on the show today. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed learning about Danny's story. He'll be featured in my book coming out in, geez, just a few weeks now, January 9th, 2018. And for more on the When to Jump side of things, for the latest and greatest on our end, you can always check us out online, whentojump.com. We've got a newsletter, an ambassador program starting up also in a few weeks, and on social at When to Jump across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Let's listen to a jump story that's been shared with us from one of our listeners in the last week. This is Katie Macon, and this is my jump story of going from advertising to life coaching. So it was January of 2014, and I was living in Chicago. And if anybody's ever been to Chicago in January, you know that that's a great time of year to stay inside and do nothing. So that's exactly what I was doing. And I'm flipping through Instagram, and I see this beautiful picture my friend Annie posted. The hashtags below, one of them said, I designed my life. And that caught my attention. That was the hashtag that catalyzed the three-hour Google binge that led to me discovering not only life coaching, but being about one click away from spending $11,000 on the most prestigious coach training and certification program I could find. But it just felt so gross. I couldn't see myself in that world. So I go to this event called Life Coaching 101. It was hosted by the Junior League. And the person who spoke, she said, by the way, I'm offering, you know, one free hour of coaching services to anybody who wants it. So obviously I said yes to that. 
There's something to be said for stuff that your body and your soul just knows to be true. There's this pull. It's like, yes. And that's what happened with this Google binge. That's what happened with enrolling and making that first jump and signing up for the training program. Those are the first couple steps in a return home to myself. I hope that's helpful for you. If you have a jump that you'd like to share with us, we would love to hear it. And we would love to consider featuring it on the When to Jump podcast. So just take an audio note. You can record your voice into it and then send it in to when to jump podcast at mcmillan.com m-a-c-m-i-l-l-a-n.com we'd love to hear what your jump is thanks so much for listening my name is mike lewis and i'll see you next week in a fast-paced world every day brings new challenges and new opportunities At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.